Hello and welcome to another podcast with me, Mr. Huffenpuff. This podcast is on performance enhancing drugs. And the drugs we're going to look at are anabolic steroids, beta blockers, diuretics, narcotic analgesics, peptide hormones, stimulants and blood doping. Now let's look at beta blockers. And beta blockers are drugs that are designed to treat various different health issues, particularly those associated with the heart, such as high blood pressure. They work by blocking the effects of adrenaline, so they help to slow down the heart rate. Reasons why performers might take beta blockers are that they can reduce a performer's anxiety levels, they allow the performer to remain in control, they have a calming effect on the performer, they can increase the chances of winning, and they reduce muscle tremor or shaking. There are various health risks associated with beta blockers, and these include slowing the heart rate, which then obviously has a direct influence and effect on oxygen delivery, therefore a drop in performance in endurance events, they lower blood pressure, and they can disturb sleep, which leads to tiredness. The sort of athletes who may use beta blockers are those that really need to focus on accuracy and precision. So for example, um, shooting in target shooting or archery, um, gymnasts and people who are diving may all take beta blockers if they are looking for an unfair advantage. Now let's look at diuretics. And diuretics are drugs that increase the rate of urination, so how often you need to go to the toilet, and therefore the amount of fluid your body loses. Unlike other performance-enhancing drugs, diuretics are banned not because they directly enhance performance, but because they have other potential benefits, which I will discuss with you now. There are various reasons why performers might take diuretics. Firstly, they may do this to achieve a quick weight loss because obviously they're losing a lot of their body fluid very quickly. They may also use diuretics to mask or hide other performance enhancing drugs and substances that performers may have taken, making them much harder to detect. There are various health risks that are associated with diuretics. Firstly and foremost, if you're losing lots of fluid, then the risk of dehydration increases. You can become very poorly in terms of nausea, which is vomiting and being uh, physically sick, and headaches. And very seriously, you could get heart or kidney failures, which are very, very dangerous. Um, you need to remember for your exam that you can't refer to heart problems or kidney problems. It's too vague, all right? So they, in the exam, you would be looking for heart or kidney failure. The type of athletes who may use diuretics are those who um, can see it as an advantage, certainly in terms of a weight category, so boxing, um, if you're trying to get in under a certain weight, you need to lose weight quickly, and a jockey in horse racing who um, is obviously the weight makes a big difference to how they are running. It can be used in pretty much any sport you could think of in terms of trying to mask the use of other substance abuse as well, so that's very important to remember. Now let's look at narcotic analgesics, and these are designed to relieve pain temporarily. They act on the brain and the spinal cord to dampen the effect of a painful stimuli, therefore they mask pain. There are various reasons why an athlete or performer may take narcotic analgesics. Firstly, um, they increase a performer's pain threshold. 
They give a sense of being invincible. They can provide a sense of euphoria, which means a heightened state of uh, being very happy and a feel-good feeling. They mask injuries so that performers can continue to compete, which, as you can imagine, if you've got a bit of a knock, say you're in rugby or football, netball, it masks that pain so you can carry on, but obviously the damage that might be going on is it masks that, and that can be a real issue. There are various health risks that are associated with narcotic analgesics, and these include vomiting, um, anxiety and depression, kidney and liver damage. You can become addicted to these. You can lose concentration, and very commonly, um, and very importantly, you can cause further damage to the injury because obviously you can't feel the pain, and that's your body trying to tell you something very important. The sort of athletes that may use these are performers that um, often go through quite a bit of pain for various reasons. So sprinters might use them, um, boxing, football, rugby, um, swimming, they may use narcotic analgesics. In fact, most performers with any injury who wants to carry on training and performing um, could use this to hide uh, the injury so they are able to carry on. Very, very dangerous if that is something that people do. Now let's look at peptide hormones. And these are a type of performance enhancing drug and they are found naturally in the body. Um, and lots of performers may be tended to artificially increase the amount of these hormones to gain benefits. There are two peptide hormones you need to know about. One is called EPO, which is a re-throw-protein. EPO is one occasion where you can write an abbreviation in your exam paper. So instead of writing and having to know erythroprotein, you can write EPO. Um, the other peptide hormone you need to be aware of are human growth hormones, HGH. You may see the abbreviation HGH, and it stands for human growth hormones, but you're going to need to write human growth hormones in your exam paper, but not for EPO. Um, erythroprotein, protein, sorry, or EPO can help increase red blood cell production and this then allow an increase in oxygen delivery to the working muscles during exercise. Human growth hormones, these can help increase muscle mass and therefore strength and they burn more fat. So they are the reasons why performers and athletes might take these. Various health risks as we've reported on the other uh, performance enhancing drugs. For EPO or erythroprotein, um, is an increased thickness of the blood. Therefore, that can cause blood clots, strokes, uh, deep vein thrombosis, and uh, an increased risk of heart attacks, are very serious. Human growth hormones um, can lead to arthritis, heart failure, diabetes, um, and abnormal growth in feet and hands. That doesn't mean that if you took them, that will all happen, but they are the increased um, examples of side effects if you did take either EPO or HGH. The types of athletes I might use them, well, EPO or erythroprotein is an act is, is, um, helps increase oxygen delivery. So any athlete that needs lots of oxygen, probably endurance athletes, so uh, distance running, ultra running, uh, marathon runners, distance cycling, possibly even rugby or football matches that last a certain period of time, they may use EPO. Um, and there's a lot of research and things have been used recently over the last couple of years 
about EPO, certainly in distance cycling. If you just put in Tour de France and, and you look at some of the things that some of the, the cyclists have got up to, and you know, there's still a lot of investigation going on there, so that might be worth looking into. And HGH um, is useful in areas and people who need strength. Um, so you're looking again at sprinters or weightlifters, but again, there's, there's quite a bit of information out there in terms of peptide hormones, um, anethoprotein, EPO, and HGH. We move on now to stimulants. Um, this is a category of drugs that are used temporarily to elevate mood. They increase brain activity, making an individual feel much more awake and alert, and as if they have more energy. The use of stimulants in large enough quantities constitutes the use of performance-enhancing drugs and is therefore banned in sport. There are lots of reasons performers may take stimulants. Firstly, they may use these to increase competitiveness. They can be used to increase levels of aggression. So you can already start to think about what sort of activities you may need to be really competitive and have high levels of aggression. They are used to increase alertness, especially mentally and physically, so the performer is quicker to respond to a stimuli. They reduce the feeling of tiredness and they increase heart rate, therefore they increase oxygen delivery. There are various health risks associated with stimulants. Firstly and foremost, insomnia, so um, they affect your sleep and sleep patterns. They can lead to heightened levels of aggression. Um, they can lead to heightened levels of anxiety as well. And they can certainly lead to heart rate irregularities. The type of athletes who may use stimulants um, sort of fall into two main categories, really. The first one are those who may need high levels of aggression. Um, so they can compete well or take a knock and, and carry on or need that aggression to be very competitive. So people like boxers, rugby players, ice hockey athletes, they may use stimulants to become more aggressive, which is an important aspect of their sports. The other performer may need to uh, improve their alertness over periods of time. So long distance cyclists may use them to stay alert for longer um, People who play cricket, possibly, or baseball may want to use stimulants or may use stimulants, sorry, for that extra edge um, because their activities are so much longer. Now we move on to blood doping. And blood doping is slightly different to taking performance enhancing drugs. It's a method, a process that is followed rather than you take something in a pill or, or format. Um, it's a process that some athletes may use to enhance their performance. And this method is banned from the use in sport. But blood doping is a process where performers have additional blood added to their bloodstream. And there's two ways to do this. Firstly, the performer can use their own blood. So the performer has his or her blood removed and stored, not all their blood, but a sample of their blood removed and stored. The body, obviously, when you uh, give blood, replaces this blood over a period of a couple of weeks, okay? So um, your body repairs itself and, and generates the blood that you need. Then, prior to an event, the blood that was removed is injected back into the bloodstream. Therefore, you have more blood with more red blood cells and more white blood cells in there and so forth. You could also use the blood of someone else. 
um, and blood is put into the performer's bloodstream via blood transfusion. And the blood from someone else, again, it can be used the same way, or it may be blood taken from someone who trains at altitude, so the blood has been uh, adapted to be more efficient with less oxygen. Um, and that is another way of doing that. But basically, blood is removed and then put back into the body at a later date before an event to increase their red blood cells. Um, reasons why performers may do this is, as I've mentioned, to increase red blood cells, and therefore they can increase the oxygen carrying capacity so they can use more oxygen more efficiently. Various health risks um, from blood doping, and lots of them I'm sure you've already come across or aware of from what I've already mentioned. There's a, a massive uh, chance of infection from equipment leading to blood poisoning. There's an increase in thickness or what they call viscosity of the blood due to an increased number of red blood cells, which can lead to blood clots. Deep vein from process can be caused which, uh, from blood clots, which can lead to heart failure. Stroke can occur from the blood clots. And diseases in blood fluids, for example, HIV and hepatitis, can all, it, it is highly increased. The types of athletes who may use blood doping, um, again, based around those athletes who may require an increase in oxygen delivery. So again, you're looking at long distance athletes, such as long distance cyclists, long distance runners, ultra runners, marathon athletes, and game players where the game can last hours, but it does tend to be more for long distance athletes, um, especially endurance athletes. Now, hopefully from that information, you know a little bit more about performance enhancing drugs and the effect that they can have on sporting performance and a performer's lifestyle. You need to be aware that performance enhancing drugs are banned as they have dangerous side effects and they can improve performance artificially. The World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA, W-A-D-A, is responsible for the testing for performance enhancing drugs. And don't forget that blood doping is a banned process even though it is not a specific drug. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Huff and Puff, for this podcast on performance enhancing drugs, and I hope it will be useful for your revision and your exams. If you would like any podcast on specific topics, please feel free to uh, message me on this format, or you can message me at the following email, ruffendel, that's R-U-F-F-E-N-D-E-L-L, at S-M-C-C dot Devon dot S-E-H dot U-K. You can email me at that address, and I will produce podcasts and screencasts that you wish. Also, don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. If you just Google or go to YouTube and put in Richard Uffendel, again, my surname, U-F-F-E-N-D-E-L-L, and you will find my channel, and there are various screencasts and podcasts and videocasts on there, and I'm quite happy to do uh, whichever lessons that you feel most useful. And there will also be a screencast on performance-enhancing drugs on there in the near future. Hopefully it's been useful, and if I can help, please just message. Keep revising, I know it's hard, um, and look at maybe a flashcard system to help get yourself ready and remember this key information that you need. Hashtag, see you on the other side.